Hello, everyone. This is Rev Brad, and you're listening to the Soccer Chaplains United podcast from the Touchline. Today, a record first on the podcast. I'm joined by five USL Championship chaplains. USL, or the United Soccer League, have the lower divisions of professional soccer in America, and they've kicked off this past weekend with a few games. And so I asked a few of our USL chaplains to jump on the podcast today and share with us what does soccer look like for you in your city and, and with your team and, and with the ministry and the work that you're doing. It was really a great time. And as you listen, hopefully you'll get to know some of them by their voice. So stay tuned. We get started right after this. a little off foot thinking he's going to go far post not strong enough with his right hand whips that one in far post almost made him in and they have he has the hat trick the second in his career the third of the night the hat trick hero talked about you're not going to be able to sustain that kind of pressure to the corner goes towards the near post and you're the angle and what a goal what a goal well, hey, I want to welcome everybody to the podcast today, to the From the Touchline podcast. I think this is a, a, a podcast first to have five other chaplains. And what I've done is I've invited our USL championship chaplains to come on the podcast with me today. So guys, here's what we're going to do from the start. I want you to just introduce yourself, um, say who you are, what team you're with, and really quickly your role outside of football, outside of soccer, so that people can kind of get to know you. And then we'll dive into some questions. So I want to start in our, our furthest uh, Western team, which I didn't look at a map and I didn't look at the lat- latitude, longitudinal lines, but I do believe it would be you, Mr. Briggs, in Sacramento. Is that, would that be correct? Is Sacramento further than, than Washington? I'd need to look at a map, Brad, possibly. <laughs> I'm not too sure. But anyway, I'm Robert Briggs. I'm from Sacramento, uh, California, state capital. Sacramento Republic is our team. I've been the chaplain with the club since it began, uh, which is, I think, we're in our seventh or eighth season now. And uh, outside of being a chaplain, uh, I am actually a pastor. I pastor Emmanuel Baptist Church in Sacramento. Uh, Sacramento is my adopted city, as you can tell by my accent. I'm a Scotsman, but I love Sacramento. It's where it's happening. Yeah, I was going to say you are you are not from Sacramento. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, Jubal, let's go next with you. Yeah, I'm Jubal with the Tacoma Defiance uh, in Tacoma, Washington, and this is my first official season uh, with the team, and excited to be serving the club in this capacity. And outside of chaplaincy, I serve as a soccer coach and an athletic director. Jubal, are you from Scotland? I am not from Scotland, although a majority of my roots are Scott Irish, so I will claim it. Wow. Wow. We'll we'll have to do a poll later and see who all's Scott Irish. I'd I'd have to raise my hand on that one. I know that uh I think I've shared in in other podcasts that my family were from the Douglas clan, brutally murdered in the famous Black Death dinner in Edinburgh Castle. So uh, but we'll, that's for another podcast later. So let's uh, let's head a little bit further east. I think we'll hit um, Kurt. Are you in the Springs? Are you are you more west than than our friend Eric in El Paso? Uh, no, El Paso is further west. All right. Let. Sorry, Kurt. We'll come to you. Okay. We'll go to Eric. He's a, 
younger, quicker, faster, fitter than you. No, I'm just kidding. Eric, please introduce yourself. Uh, hey, guys. How you doing? Eric Jimenez here. Um, chaplain for El Paso uh, Locomotives. And uh, I want to say this is going to be my first season. Uh, I know I, I came on uh, a season ago, but it was during COVID. And so <laughs> that was that was interesting. Um, but I, uh, on the side, I'm also a pastor. Uh, I pastor at First Baptist Church El Paso. Um, and I'm uh, focusing in the area of discipleship. Nice, nice. Yeah. And for those of you that follow Soccer Chaplains United, you guys will know that Eric and Jubal were recently introduced last year to our organization serving their team. So guys, this would technically be your first time on the podcast, though it reminds me, uh, and I have a note here that we will do uh, maybe a little side thing just with you guys later on sometime. So Kurt, man, I love you, brother. And you have been with Soccer Chaplains United almost the longest, I believe, uh, next to Ben in Portland. 2015, you and I go back to, and you started your work. Why don't you share a little bit, brother, about yourself? Okay. Well, I'm Kurt. I uh, pastor a church here in Colorado Springs. I've been with the Colorado Springs Switchbacks since uh, the end of their inaugural season, uh, 2015. And uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I've been pastoring a church here in the Springs for a little over 20 years, and I've uh, been known Brad for a long time, spent uh, some time in hotel rooms together um, and uh, random places. Anyway, so, uh, but yeah, and I have no Scotch-Irish uh, blood in me any place. Um, are, are you I, sure? Are you sure? I am absolutely positive um, that there's no Scotch-Irish we think there might be some Welsh someplace, but that's about the end of it. So, so funny, true story with Kurt. My wife and I were at uh, my best friend's wedding, uh, his daughter's wedding in Aberdeen, Scotland. We're returning home on a flight connecting through Iceland. And this American bloke comes up and says, Brad, and grabs me by the arm. It's Kurt Trempert returning from his um, what was it? A, a few sabbatical. months sabbatical. Yeah. yeah. In Germany. We, we have spent time in the most random of places and, uh, really a testament to God and his sovereignty and grace. So, oh, cool. Well, finally, last but not least, Greg, I give us a little intro and, and tell us about Memphis barbecue, please. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Greg, I from uh, Memphis 901 FC chaplain here. Uh, way east of the Mississippi, um, unique on this call, but um, been here in Mem- with Memphis for three years. I am also an assistant pastor at Advent Presbyterian Church um, in the city of Memphis, and I've uh, been loving it here. Barbecue, if you're ever coming to Memphis, I would gladly show you around. Um, Central Barbecue is my favorite, but we do have the best barbecue in the world, and that's just sort of a fact. Uh, cannot be disputed. Uh, we we love it here. Yeah, Greg, what is the difference between Memphis barbecue and let's say, I mean, Jubal's from Texas, Texas barbecue, Kansas City barbecue, or maybe even if if we go further further east, what what makes Memphis unique? What makes them the best? So a few things. Number one, uh, we invented it. Number two, <laughs> it's better. Three, it's tastier. But no, uh, four, it's it's mostly based on pork. Um, and, uh, and I think that's a little bit different from Texas, 
But uh, yeah, I mean, you can dispute that all day. I don't know that Texas barbecue is actual barbecue. Memphis barbecue, we do have the world championships of barbecue here. So um, oh I do oh know goodness. that Memphis barbecue is actually legit and, and pretty good. Greg, Greg, there's four Western Conference champ, uh, uh, championship chaplains here to your one. And if we're all so in the same, if we're the same room, they are uh, tackling you right now. And of course, <laughs> I saw Robert B- flinch because according to him, the Scots have invented everything. And I think they include barbecue in that. Isn't that true, Robert? You, you Scots have in, invented everything. You invented golf. No, I don't know that we invented barbecue, but I do have a book on my shelf that says how the Scots established America. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. But I also and, know a friend who's got an Irish version of that book, so I have maybe there's several versions. I have no idea. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We'll, we'll have to talk about that later. Well, guys, I, I wanted to have you guys on the podcast today because – USL championship season kicks off and they've kind of got this flexible kickoff. There were a couple games. Uh, what, what was it last Saturday that they played? But as, as the bulk of the league now starts to get underway and your team start to get underway this weekend, I think, um, Robert, you guys are kicking things off on Friday with, with you guys taking on Galaxy 2. But uh, just give us a quick synopsis, a quick preview of what this year, this season holds for your club, your team. Um, you know, what, what are some team goals? Uh, of course, everybody wants to get into the playoffs, but, but tell us realistically, what, what are some of the unique things that for your club um, are going to happen in 2021? Well, obviously you'll realize, Brad, that we're coming off the back of the major disappointment of the MLS situation. Um, the club hasn't given up hope that we may yet, see some investors step in. We hope so. It's a great market. We think Sacramento will be a great MLS club, of course, but uh, for the staff and the football side of things, we have to keep the boys focused and not get distracted. Uh, The MLS thing is for the the, the management, the the ownership to figure all of that out. We're very thankful. We have a great ownership team and Kevin Nagel and our new president, Todd Donovan, who of course, was a, a, an MLS Galaxy player, a great guy, a very good personal friendship with, with Todd. Um, they're doing all of that business. In the, in the locker room, uh, Mark Briggs, uh, who is my namesake, uh, again, great guy, close friend, I got to know him really well, is building a team, I think, that this season. Uh, we have high hopes that we're going to compete and we're going to go far. Um, he's bringing in a number of new players, some real strong gritty lads, some real good players from different places. And we hope to go a little bit further than losing to a handball from Phoenix Rising like we did last season. Uh, Mm. We recognise Phoenix are setting a high bar. They're a a great club and a strong club and we've got to do well against them. And, uh, you know, Tacoma uh, gave us a couple of good runs last season. So we've got to pick up with there. But I think there's there's high hopes that the the boys are buzzing. I've, I've been at a couple of the games we, we got a good preseason win against Oakland Roots 5-1 last Saturday, some good showings. Of course, there's areas for improvement, but I think we're going to hit the ground running, uh, Brad. I think going to LA Galaxy, of course, is always a hard game down in LA for us, but a rivalry with them, but we have no reason to be afraid. We need to just go out there and do the business, and I think there's a good spirit amongst the lads. We've got a number of academy boys coming through, so we're blooding some of our younger men, uh, and the club is in, I think, good shape moving into the the new season and we're we're aiming to go as far as we possibly can go which uh, hopefully uh, can be all the way 
Yeah, Robert, you referenced the uh, the disappointment as Sacramento key investor pulls out. MLS kind of rescinds their uh, tag of Sacramento being one of the new franchises coming in. In fact, Phoenix is now kind of in the running, so to speak. That would be uh, probably difficult for some some clubs to swallow, given rivalries and such. But Robert, I know too. Sometimes when uh, a USL club's about to make the jump, a lot of people jump on board to the USL club, thinking, "All right, I'm going to make the transition to MLS as well." and you know, the, the pay is better. The salaries are better. Do, do you have a sense that, that there's a few in the club that have come in, in more later years to kind of help with that transition and, and possibly make it themselves? And now they're faced with this huge disappointment or, or do you feel like Sac Republic is, is more just, no, we're, we're a, we're a hardworking group of people and whatever the task is, USL or MLS. Yeah, that's a great question, but I, I really, I am very thankful that we have a, we have a club that I would say this with all sincerity, we're marked by a spirit of humility. We, we, there is a genuine humility amongst the guys in our club, whether it be from the top to the bottom. And we are a family. We're very much a, 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 a group that work together and are for each other. Um, and I think that we recognize, of course, that uh, MLS, if it doesn't come to us, it, it, it's disappointment at one level, but we are committed to the to football in Sacramento, we're committed to USL, and uh, the boys that are in the team are focused on their football, nice. and, um, and and I'm very thankful for that. We've got a, a, a bunch of guys that are a humble bunch of guys. They're they're getting galvanised. Of course, the, the the proof will be in the games and, and as we move into the season. But coming off the back of the disappointment, I honestly believe the club has done remarkably well, and uh, Kevin Nagel is a great leader himself, and I think. Todd Donovan is just such an excellent guy. Um, honestly, has done a great job. We all have a, a real unity at the club. And uh, we're just getting focused on the next thing, which is the USL Championship this season. Uh, we will come out and we will we will show what Sacramento's got and uh, we'll stay focused on the things that we need to stay focused on. And we'll wait and see how things unfold. Nice, nice. You mentioned Tacoma. Jubal, you guys have sort of the, I don't know if it's dubious or glorious, but you have the honor of uh, Tacoma really values, it's really a youthful team. And and we see that because they're closely aligned with Seattle Sounders who are perennially um, contending in MLS. So Jubal, tell us a little bit, is it is it a challenge uh, for, for Tacoma being as young as they are to take on a, a club like Sac Republic and, and show well? That's a great question. Uh, I think there is, there is some of that in terms of experience, uh, but Tacoma itself really, and, and as the club has identified itself, is, is really all about grit and passion and, and slogging it out. Uh, Tacoma itself as a history is a, is a shipbuilding community. It's a port. And so it's very blue collar, very gritty, uh, not afraid to get into a big fight. So, while they may lack an experience, these younger players are, are very gritty. They know how to fight. Uh, they know how to play. There's a lot of cohesiveness amongst these players, especially with a, a lot of them, majority of them coming from the Sounders Academy and having played together for years. Uh, there's, a, there's a real cohesiveness there that makes them a very strong side despite uh, their age. So it'll, it'll be exciting to see them this season. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I mean, it, it's great. The thing I love about USL is guys are working really hard and 
sometimes you have a veteran who's kind of seeing out their playing days in USL, but a lot of times it's the younger guys who are wanting to get that opportunity. They're hungry. They're out of college. Maybe they didn't get snatched up by an MLS side. Maybe they've been over to Europe and they've tried to get to get on there. But um, yeah, it tends to be some some fierce and grit, something fierce and gritty. So Kurt, you in Colorado Springs, you guys have a new stadium this season. Um, what are things looking like for the switchbacks? Well, you know, I think a lot of times these clubs are particularly smaller clubs like the switchbacks, you know, when we are getting ready to move into a stadium, I think the natural tendency is to believe that the stadium is going to fix all problems, soccer, um, and, uh, and so I think that there's a great anticipation, uh, for the new stadium. Obviously everybody's excited about it. Uh, they're already practicing on the pitch, even though the construction is still going on in the stands. And, um, I think I get a tweet every single day about where they are with the stadium. And, and, uh, so everybody's pretty excited about that new coach. Um, they, this is another year of transition. Uh, unfortunately we, uh, are on our third coach and well, actually if you count the interim, we're on our fourth coach in the last three years. So, um, a little bit, of quite a bit of transition with our club. Um, I think there's some excitement. Um, every time there's a new coach, there's new players, uh, that are brought in. So that makes it a little complicated for me, um, as the chaplain to just build new relationships. And then in COVID era to have had a whole year of not having connection and then having a whole new slew of, uh, set of players that, the vast majority I haven't had the opportunity to meet yet uh, face-to-face, obviously opportunities other ways, but not face-to-face. And um, so, but we're all excited about the stadium and our first home game is in, uh, I think a month actually from today um, and from tomorrow, I should say. That's, that's because it still snows in Colorado. We just, I don't know how much you got, Kurt. We just got like six inches up here. Yeah. And I was thinking we've got a game Saturday, so <laughs> our yeah, first home game I mean, for the Rapids. For sure. I mean, for sure the weather is part of it, but the other side of it is they pushed it back even further this year um, than did the first few home games away. And then their first uh, first first games of the season are away. And then our first home game, yeah, is obviously driven by completion of the stadium. So yeah. hopefully that should be a – exciting time and uh, I think everybody's super excited to just get in the new digs. I, I will be excited to come down and, and sit in the new stadium because it's it's closer. Is it in downtown proper or it's yes. it's right in the city, right? Yeah, it's just south. It's in southern downtown or Sodo. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, in, just south of the main downtown, but it's still a downtown exit off the freeway. So it's right there on the freeway. Um, the major uh, road intersection between the mountain road that goes up into the mountains and the road that goes into uh the eastern part of the city so it's right there. nice nice well i remember sitting out watching a few switchback games in the old stadium near near the uh triple a baseball and um man you'd see a storm come over the mountains and you're like i am sitting on a lightning rod right here i am gonna leave and and they would if a storm was bad enough they'd tell people go get in your cars we'll uh, resume play as soon as it's safe and i was thinking oh my goodness this is if football is going to survive here in colorado springs we, we've got to get out of uh 
the lightning rod stadium and, and go, yeah. go play somewhere else. But, but what a great little environment too, to see uh Pike's peak in the background and anyone who's never been to Colorado, you won't understand, but you, you'll have to come and experience it. Sometimes maybe you could be Kurt or my own guest, uh, but Kurt would be better because he runs a Verbo and, uh, he could host you better than I could. So, uh, well, nice. Well, l- let's run down I-25. I-25 is a major highway that uh, connects Denver to Colorado Springs. Uh, we'll, we'll flash past Albuquerque and Clint Moore since he's not on the call. And let's head to El Paso and visit with our friend Eric Jimenez. And Eric, you told us earlier that you've been in El Paso all your life and tried to get away and you can't. <laughs> So uh, now you're chaplaining for the locomotive. Hopefully you don't feel like you've been run over by a train, but uh, yeah, tell us what this uh, season looks like for you and uh, doing sort of this virtual chaplaincy that you and Jubal kind of started in this virtual way. What What is this going to look like for you? Well, uh, it's definitely exciting, Brad. I, I mean, I, there's a lot to look forward to. Uh, you know, I've I've been able to follow the team a little bit and I know there's there's quite a bit of transition. You know, we've had some roster changes that I think are, are big. Um, you know, we had a really good season last season, uh, in, as far as distance, you know, they went pretty far and, uh, you know, they're going to have to keep up, you know, and, and really keep doing that because in El Paso, you know, being a predominantly Hispanic, uh, I think the standard's pretty high, <laughs> you know, when you come in and you have an exciting, you know, season or two and, uh, you kind of set the the bar pretty high. Um, there's going to be a lot of expectation, but it's been really neat to see, you know, some of these players that are coming in. Uh, I think we're scheduled May 8th is for the, the first game. And so, uh, you know, it's not snowing down here. We don't, we don't know what that is in El Paso. So <laughs> you guys get some snow though, right? I have friends in Juarez that say that they, they get an occasional dusting that uh, everybody goes out and tries to make s- snow snow people with but <laughs> yeah you guys it, get it, some sometimes right yeah yeah we do we do uh but it very quickly melts you know it doesn't it doesn't last very long so yeah <laughs> but yeah. we do periodically yeah nice nice so eric in el paso um what just was it two years ago you guys had a, a horrific mass shooting and i know that uh at that time we were looking for a, a chaplain for locomotive and i know that they were uh, really ingrained in the community to kind of stand with them in solidarity, show support, try to be really compassionate, sensitive. What's, what, what's the vibe in El Paso now, just because we've had a rash of, of shootings here in, in America in, in the last few weeks, does that reverberate through the El Paso community today right now? Or, or where, where are folks at with, with some of those things? Yeah, Brad, I, I think that, you know, we're, you know, two years out, uh, that's pretty accurate timing. Um, and uh, I think we're in the process of, you know, just healing from that. Um, you know, there, there's a, a sense of unity that did come, you know, with that. And, and actually, it's interesting, you know, the, the locomotives play uh, at what we call, you know, Southwest University Stadium. And uh, that's actually where they held, you know, uh, kind of like a prayer time together for the whole community. Uh, people came out and uh, it was really neat, you know, just to see. Uh, the unity that came from that. But, you know, there's also some pain. And so I, I think that, uh, you know, adding the locomotives, you know, that was uh, about the time where, you know, we started the team. And and uh, I think it gave people just another focus, you know, not to just get caught up in, in the sadness of what happened. Not that we're trying to neglect it, but, 
uh, it definitely gives the community something to look forward to. Uh, and so I think because of that, it's brought, you know, a sense of unity. Um, and, and I think people are excited, you know, they're excited to see what the next few seasons are going to, you know, be like. Yeah. I, I think one of the exciting things for me with El Paso is when they bring, um, a young, a young kid from the community and he's part of the club, he's part of the team mm -hmm. to me, just that elevation, like you can, whatever circumstances you come from, whatever background or situation, like there's an opportunity for you. I, I get excited by, by things like that. Well, uh, Greg flipping, uh, we'll, we'll go across to you now and our East Eastern Conference team, Memphis 901 FC. Um, Tim Howard is a, a co-owner of, of the club. And uh, we've already he heard you rave about Memphis barbecue. I'm sure we'll have to have maybe a listener poll or something. But Greg, give us a, a little bit of insight. What what are things looking like for Memphis this year? And, and uh, you've got maybe some new things going on with your club. Yeah, we do. Um, it's, uh, it's exciting. We have... Uh, a new head coach this season. He was assistant coach last season and the season before he got a little bit interim time at the end of the last season, but he is hitting the ground running and very excited. Uh, ben Pierman, uh, and he has uh, been doing a lot of recruiting and, and finding new players out of 23 players. I think we only have three returning, maybe four um, from last season. So we are pretty fresh. Um, and that's a little bit of a challenge for me, but it's, uh, it's exciting as well to be able to minister to all these new guys. Welcome them to the city. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, looking forward to kind of what that's going to shape up to be this season. Um, uh, but I know Ben and, and, uh, I know he, he's either thinking, talking, working on soccer for a hundred hours a week. And we kind of got a late start because of some Shelby County restrictions, different questions up in the air. And so we're still you know, they're still piecing the team together, still trying to figure out preseason stuff and, and what this season is going to look like. Um, but still uh, putting together a great crew and uh, really excited about it here. Yeah. Nice. Well, guys, um, certainly it has been a challenging year with COVID behind us in 2020, but still seeing the effects of that. I'm, I'm just curious, sort of, sort of an open question to all of you. Um, 2020 challenges aside, was there anything new or different that you adopted or adapted in your practice to offer sort of this pastoral care, this spiritual care, this chaplaincy? Was there anything coming out of 2020 where, you know, as we get further down the road, you look back and you go, God, thanks, because that that's helping me to shift. It's helping me to adjust. Would you say there's anything new you've adopted that's been helpful for for ministry and you're going to keep it uh, going forward. I see crickets chirping. I see heads shaking. Hey, I don't, uh, I don't mind jumping in here. Yeah. Um, so this is Jubal at Tacoma. Uh, for, for me personally, I think, you know, COVID has done a, a pretty good job of, of showing me that it's really important to, understand someone's perspective um you know with with covid and and all the different things that kind of trail off of that uh, everyone has a different opinion everyone has a different perspective it's affected everyone in a completely different way and so going into a situation a conversation a ministry relationship 
um, it's really important to uh, not approach it with a one size fits all, but to really understand how it's affected somebody, what their perspective is like. Um, are they okay meeting a person? Is it all virtual, right? All those sort of things that we have to try and figure out. And then on top of that, just giving so much grace um, due to how the the climate is constantly changing. Uh, the guidelines are constantly changing. Uh, everything is just constantly shifting and, and, and changing. And so we have to give each other uh, just even more grace uh, than normal as we try to figure out and work this together. Because because all in all, the only way we're going to get through it is we've got to be unified and be working together um, and, and, and not let this thing continue to drive a wedge uh, between us. Top, top man, Jubal, because I, I agree, during this time I've had to learn what it is to navigate the different the different places that people are are thinking and feeling and so many people are driven by fear and i know that that fear is because they don't have christ in their life so in a space where i'm not afraid of certain things like my family we had covid in january so the big question is now will you get the vaccine and and some people i see are so afraid they i need to be first on the vaccine list or some people aren't they're like i'm not taking those vaccines and so here we are being um doing christian ministry being christ to people and and kind of navigating the the whole spectrum of where people are coming from and you're right Jubal super challenged but if we can walk in i think this is this is part of our space as chaplains anyway is we don't know where people are at, even if they identify as Christian, uh, even if they identify as someone who might be a person of faith, we have no idea where they come from. And, and we need we need to give that grace and kind of first stop and listen and hear their story. And so, yeah, I've been in some meetings where we looked at each other and the person across the table is going, uh, do, do you do you like masks? Do you want masks? Because I hate this thing and, and let's take it off. So I'm like, yeah, let's take it off. I don't need it. Um, but then I've been in, in some other meetings and situations where someone's like, hey, uh, let's make sure we've got our masks on correctly and <laughs> tighten it up around the nose and such. So what a what a strange world we're in and, and what a challenge. But any of the rest of you guys, what, what's been um, some of the things, some of the outcomes for you just in terms of, of COVID, in terms of your own ministry and lives? I'd like to add a little bit to that. I agree with all that, Brad. Um, I think, uh, you know, one of the things for me uh, coming in in the middle of all this, uh, I've been very, you know, blessed, but uh, I've also been forced to just emphasize on on relationship building um, and and being very intentional about it. Uh, you know, you when you can go somewhere and meet with people, uh, you have to really carve out time to, you know, make phone calls, uh, you know, Zoom. And and, and I think that's brought a, a level of relationship building uh, for me, you know, and just the the different opportunities that we have to do that. And, and I think that very much jumps into what you guys are talking about. Uh, you know, through relationship building, I've been able to really understand where people are coming from uh, and why they're there. You know, why do they think a certain way? You know, what's happened? And, and so I, I'm going to carry over that into this new season, you know, go in uh, I'm, with all the roster changes. I'm really going to have to uh, learn, you know, who's there and and, you know, know what they're about. And, and I think build on that, build on that and, you know, do it again for the love and for the sake of, of Christ, 
you know, and be intentional in that way. Yeah. And, and you guys face a challenge in, at USL where the athletes change so frequently because of income opportunities, um, these different things that it can be a really challenge to have, uh, these sort of relationships that, that last beyond a short season for sure. And so it's, it's key to developing those staff relationships, those coaching relationships, those things are, uh, are pretty critical for, for you guys as well. And, and it can be hard to, I, I used to think like, even with MLS, I, although the Rapids have kind of been different, um, sort of the tenure of a player was a little bit longer, but I used to feel like I'm a youth pastor, uh, because I've got, I get four years maybe with these kids, quote unquote, before they move on. And it's funny because in seminary, I used to tell people, I'm never going to be a youth pastor. I hate, I, I would never love being a youth pastor. You have to say goodbye every four years. It's tough. But you guys have to say goodbye sometime after four months, sometimes after a year, two years. And it's really hard to, uh, to keep developing those relationships. Robert, um, I'm, I'm curious for you being in Sacramento, um, you've been around the club for a long time, but, uh, you've seen a lot of change between different groups and people. Yeah. I mean, basically right now we're in a rebuild, uh, Brad and all that has happened with the COVID issue. I mean, our club had 12,000 fans at games. We lost a lot of money last year. Um, you know, other clubs that don't have a big fan base are not dependent so much, don't build their budget so much on this, the season tickets. And so we had to furlough so much, uh, you know, and there was a lot of gearing up. We're thinking we're gearing up in the next two years for MLS. So there's been there's been massive uh, upheaval at that level. Um, in our community, I, I think that the club is much loved in the community. Uh, I think that the the leadership again. I, I really think about Todd, who's our president now. Um, really, they, they work hard. Ben Gumpert before that to really maintain unity through the COVID issue. We had conference calls, Zoom calls. The whole team was on. I've never seen so many faces on a screen. And um, we were having we were having conversations and discussions. I mean, they really. The club really worked hard to maintain and keep everybody together, but it was utterly exhausting, Brad. And uh, there's no doubt that the mental stresses that came with that were challenging. Um, I have a peculiar uh, favour with the staff here because I'm pretty much the longest guy in the history of the club. Now, there's one or two other guys have been here just as long as me, but I'm pretty much, I've been in with the furniture, as they say, you know, from the beginning. And so, <laughs> Uh, they're, they're very kind to me. They're very gracious to me. They give me a lot of, they, they seek out counsel. The Lord has given me peculiar favor with a lot of these uh, dear guys. And, and uh, the pressures that they've been under has been immense. And I just do my best to bring the light of the gospel, the wisdom of Christ to the situation. Um, and this year I'm really on a rebuild. None, none of the boys that have been in my studies uh, are left in the club. They've all gone. So I'm really starting again, almost from scratch with the players. Um, Staff-wise, I've got a lot of a lot of favour with the staff, and I actually sit in staff meetings. I sit in strategy meetings. I get opportunity to do that. I've been pastoring my congregation through this. It's been utterly exhausting. And going outside, coming inside, wearing masks. Some of my congregation want to storm the capital. Some of my congregation mm-hmm. want to sit in their basement. I got to shepherd everybody. It's been a tiring time, uh, Brad. But uh, I'm, I'm thankful God has sustained us and we're encouraged. And 
Sacramento is a developing city. There's a lot of good things here happening. In our city, we've got our challenges. We've got some real homeless problems going on. But the club itself is still very much at the heart of the city. Um, and people are desirous to see it prosper. Um, and my goal this season, to be honest, is to build relationships with some of the new players that are coming in. And to really, to be honest, I'm almost like the encourager to the staff. Don't lose heart. Keep going. Don't, don't give up. Do your job. Stay focused on the right things. And, and maintain that encouragement that uh, we are the indomitable city. We've had problems in the past. We've come back from them. The club has adopted that motto. And I can see it working itself out, Brad, in the midst of the COVID adversity and the MLS disappointment and the rebuild that we're actually in the process of going through right now. Robert, we need to get you uh, and Greg together. Greg shares with me frequently sort of the theme behind the city of Memphis. And, and Greg, why don't you, you speak to that, touch on that a little bit. I, I just love the, the theme of defend Memphis and kind of where that's come from, because we as chaplains carry something to the people that we serve. And I think that, that um, especially during this time, we, we carry, as you said, Robert, the, the light of the gospel, the light of Christ to them. We, we carry the hope to them and so many people that I've met have been hopeless. And in, in fact, it, here in Colorado, many of our sales staff just up and left as COVID began because there was no season to be had, no jobs, no income. And and I don't think sometimes people who maybe are listening today just realize, yeah, you know, chaplaincy is we do serve athletes. Sometimes we serve really elite athletes, but um, we also serve people that are working really hard for not much wage and they're trying to figure out life in this world and and we get to become those encouragers but but Greg you've you've had to be an encourager there with with just even Memphis and and it's the city's history yeah uh, I, I love this motto of defend Memphis that was kind of born with the club uh, a few years ago and uh, what's interesting about it is um, I mean it's a very you know we have our, our co-owner Tim Howard, you know, the secretary of defense, um, if you will. And, and he uh, you know, kind of gives that ethos to the club, but also the city of Memphis has kind of had that in its ethos for many years um, of, of sort of defending the defenseless. And what's great about it, what's ironic about it is the club chose it and it's, um, it's beautiful for the, for the club, for football, but it's also an incredibly gospel-like thing, God-like thing, Christ-like thing. I mean, God is the defender of the defenseless. And, uh, and I, I just, I love that I can step into that role and defend, um, defend players, defend staff, um, advocate for, we all know how that feels when it happens to ourselves. Um, so to be able to do that for others is an incredible thing. And defense wins championships too. So we have that going for us in the end. Greg, it, it's got to be. Uh, so, is Memphis? Are you? Is not a one FC? Are you guys known for just being really defensive in your play? I'm curious. Perhaps not intentionally, uh, but um, but yeah, I think that's that sort of mentality of defending um, is not just uh, when you're in your own third on the field, but it's also uh, defending one another on the pitch. So you have your your teammates back. You um, are going to cover for your teammate when a mistake happens. Um, you're going to encourage one another and that way we defend each other. Um, so Memphis has had this kind of history of, um, we've been a city for like 200 years, but, um, 
but it actually there was a few years where we didn't we weren't a city because yellow fever hit in 1878 and uh out of a city of 45,000 people um uh, about 25,000 fled the city in the in the first week and uh wow. left wow. and left very few people here out of the like 20,000 left um about 15,000 of them had yet or got yellow fever at some point 5600 of them died uh, it was a very deadly time and but there was this group of uh this group of like 20 28 nuns um and sister constance was kind of the leader and they stayed in the city they were offered a cabin outside the city and they said hey can, if you want to stay here and take care of these people you can but they said no we're staying in the city and we're going to defend the defenseless. We're going to take care of the sick. 26 of the 28 ended up dying from yellow fever. Wow. Um, but that that kind of mentality, uh, like I said, it's a Christ-like thing. But it also is a beautiful part of Memphis culture. Um, we're ready to defend one another and care for one another um, and uh, look out for one another. And so I'm glad to see that infused into the club. Yeah, a few years ago, I was I was over in England and uh, went to the, the. They have these um, this little t- Robert. I don't I don't know if they have this in Scotland, but they do well dressings, and so the different wells and springs that were kind of connected into these old English towns, they do floral art designs and all this great stuff. So we toured these well dressings, and we went to the the town or the village of Eam. And Eam was was hard hit by uh, the the plague way back in the day. And there's a story of um, <clears throat> the local, the the vicar, the the pastor in the town, decided to stay and care for the people in the village of Eam as they went through and kind of rode out the plague. And so they, uh, I did this really early in COVID. I did a podcast or or maybe it was a, a write up on Eam um, and lessons that we can learn from them. But they had, they they really quartered off this the the town the village no one could go in um no one could go out um and so it was a really tough thing and i think you know the, i don't know if you guys remember too the stories of how the christians were the ones during uh different plague seasons would go and they'd be the ones to bury the bodies and care for people and and i think we have this this powerful in this powerful time this difficult time as chaplains uh, and robert you you uh, touched on it we have this role to stick with it, to stick with it, no matter, you know, maybe we're not on, on the list of the 40 people that get to be around the athletes or the coaching staff, but we have this task to stick with it through this time and to be, you know, for lack of a better word, we're really helping with, with the dead bodies and, and the decay and the, and the, and the lifelessness that people feel. And as chaplains to be the encouragers, to be the ones that remind them of their identity and that God loves them, even through the difficult time of, of COVID and, and everything else that's been going on too in, in our, in our day and age. And last year was a, a year to, uh, to break all years between uh, George Floyd. And I know we've got decisions coming out about that and um, man, what a, what a tough time and, and trial to, to go through um, for young, young people. And uh, thank God that, um, he's placed us in these positions to care for people. Well, um, you know, guys, uh, we're, we're kind of getting short or long on time, <laughs> however the case may be. And uh, man, it's just been great to have all of you uh, on the podcast today. Kurt, what, I, what I'd like to ask you to do is just to uh, close us with a prayer, a blessing. And uh, again, we know some of the USL teams have already started uh, last weekend, but if you would just give a blessing over the season 
for the teams represented here and and those that aren't as well. Um, and and we'll just close up and wrap up our time today. And and I just want to encourage our listeners, those listening to the podcast today, wherever God has put you, whatever city, whatever workplace, whatever team, whatever club. Um, if you're a person of faith, if you're a Christian, uh, God has given you a special um, ability, a special task to stick with it and to be an encourager, to be one who uh, lifts up those that have uh, been affected by fear. And, and if that's for you yourself, I, I just encourage you, connect with a chaplain, connect with a pastor, a, a close friend, and get mentored through this time, get discipled through this time so that your faith can be strong and as it is, uh, look for opportunities because there's people around that I think need need the hope that you carry. They need the faith and love that you know about and have experienced. And uh, if you haven't experienced that yourself, uh, I just encourage you to explore that more. Uh, but Kurt, would you close us with a blessing uh, for the pod today and, and for the USL championship season about to begin? Absolutely. Thanks, Brad. And thanks, guys, for all your work and what you guys do. Um, I think uh, appreciate Brad, you pulling us all together and we may like to tease you about stuff, but we really appreciate you. So anyway, let me pray. God, I just thank you so much for each one of these uh, workers in your harvest field, Lord, those who are uh, laboring for the sake of the gospel, uh, for the sake of the kingdom as ministers of reconciliation. Lord, I just pray for each one of the each believer, Lord, around the country, particularly in the USL championship, that are are ministers of of you in their context, Lord, whether they know it or not, pray that they would practice the ministry of presence, Lord, that they would uh, incarnate into uh, their place of ministry. Lord, I pray that each one of us would learn to adjust our ministry to the needs of those around us and adapt to their needs and uh, and care about what they need and how we can minister to their need. And Lord, I just pray that we would always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that is within us for those who are hopeless. Lord, I pray that each person, each one of us, Lord, would carry that hope into uh, hopeless situations and minister you, Jesus, to those in need. And Lord, I, all, at the end of this, Lord, I'd also like to just pray that we would defend the defenseless without being defensive. And Lord, I just pray that that would characterize us as a, a minister of your gospel, as a chaplain in soccer, as a, uh, as a, a believer in who Jesus is. Lord, that we would always defend the defenseless without being defensive. And Lord, I just pray that we would, uh, in this COVID era, um, as we come out of this, hopefully, uh, Lord, I pray that that would characterize what we're about. So Lord, I just pray that you'd encourage us, uh, challenge us, correct us, lead us, empower us with your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, thanks, everybody. You've been listening to the From the Touchline podcast. This is Rev Brad. Uh, it's Kurt Tremper, Robert Briggs, Jubal McDaniel, Eric Jimenez, Greg I. Oh, we did it. <laughs> awesome. Coming to you guys from the touchline. Thanks, Brad. Take care. Thanks.